This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome, everyone. My name is Craig Patterson, and this is the Retail Insider Podcast. We've got a special guest here today. It's David Nagy. He's the founder of e-commerce Canada. Uh, he's been in the industry for a while and has a lot of knowledge, and I uh, wanted to pick his brain and talk a little bit about what's happening in Canadian retail right now as we see an explosion in e-commerce uh, amid the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, retail is changing forever. It's never going to go back to the way it was, but e-commerce might not not be the answer. So welcome, David. Great. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. Big fan of Retail Insider and it's such a pleasure to have this time with you. It's great to have you on here. Um, so I wanted to talk generally around um, what's happening. We've seen e-commerce uh, grow, obviously, especially as many stores and parts of the country have had to remain closed to uh, in-person shopping. Um, what have you seen in terms of uh, growth so far? And uh, let's talk a little about where it's going. Well, that's a, it's a great topic for conversation these days, Craig. I think um, you know, A, I would say this internet thing is, is, is here to stick. It's probably going to be around for a little while. So um, glad that I had the opportunity to get into it when I did some, some decade and a half ago. Uh, but certainly, you know, the internet was always going to get here. I believe e-commerce was always going to be the thing that it is today. We're just able to leap forward. Um, most people would say about 10 years, you know, over the past 12 months, that's been kind of the trajectory has gone very hockey stick like, and so that growth that we would have anticipated and was very predictable, uh, at about 15 points per year, we've seen just a massive acceleration of that and had to catch up with a lot of kind of education systems as entrepreneurs, that's created a lot of stress, because uh, we've had to, I guess, transform right? We call it digital transformation, but many of us have had to kind of catch up to this pace of growth over the past 12 months. And um, the internet, I don't want to say that the internet's where it's at, but the internet is certainly an important thing. And online shopping is certain, certainly an important thing, um, no matter what you do in business today. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I've always been asked about physical retail versus online. Um, there's still, I think, going to be a significant importance for physical retail as online still grows. I couldn't agree more. I think the biggest challenge that I see with e-commerce or online retail is the uh, luxury of choice, right? I mean, people have access to thousands, maybe millions of retailers at any time. And if I, if I were to make a metaphor out of this, I would say, well, imagine the internet is a shopping mall. And it's the biggest shopping mall in the world by, by a vast margin. But it is also the most competitive shopping mall by a vast margin. So there, I mean, there's a, people are selling everything on there and every product is commoditized and everything is at our fingertips uh, 24-7, 365. So the customer has the luxury of choice. And for a retailer, that means, well, how do I become different and how do I protect profit margin in that? In bricks and mortar, we still have so much protection with that. And so you can't really be one or the other and be successful. If you're pure play online retail or pure play e-commerce, protecting yourself means, well, I have to be dramatically different. If you're bricks and mortar, you don't necessarily need that difference. You can build trust. You can tell a great story. You can have a physical space, which affects the geography and service a customer area. But the internet works fundamentally different than that. And um, it's a very, very challenging business, business to run because it's, it's hard to stand out and customers are hard to acquire online. 
Yeah. And how, how are retailers acquiring those customers? Because we, we talked earlier about how if you have a store and you've got customers walking by it, you, you've got that traffic. But when you're online, you're competing with a lot of noise uh, and a lot of it isn't retail. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, everybody um, that creates content on the Internet creates noise or distraction, whether it's social media, whether it's Google search. Sometimes you can you can have a product for sale but compete with content creators because, you know, those that write magazines and travel tourism, or they could actually be poaching your eyeballs or taking your traffic. So the internet is the noisiest place in the world and, and customer acquisition cost as a result is much higher. So if you look at your storefront and your signage and your location as an investment in a marketing cost, it does earn you eyeballs. It does earn you footfalls across the threshold into your store. And by nature of just having a physical location, you tend to win a little bit of business because people are going to explore you. They're going to discover you through that process. The process of discovery online is, is exponentially harder. And I think for anyone who's owned a business, retail or otherwise, um, creating education, creating trust, getting your message out there. And then as a business owner, understanding how to do all those things, having the capacity and having the competency to manage, you know, or master Facebook ads and Google ads and SEO and content syndication, all these acronyms and buzzwords that come along with it is an incredibly challenging aptitude to gain. And so that's why internet tends to take a long time. Bricks and mortar store, yeah, I'm not the most astute guy in the world, Craig, but I, I know enough to go out there and lease a space and put a sign on it and start to sell. So these are things that are kind of inherent to us that I mean, maybe I'm not a great business owner, but I know how to set up a space and get some eyeballs onto my product. But online, it's a totally different ball of wax. You're coming from, from absolutely nowhere and having to learn an awful lot over a short period of time. And that's where the time to build trust and the time to win audience on the internet uh, tends to take a lot longer and cost a lot more huh. to build a, to build an audience. Holy cow. That's interesting. And we've seen a lot of new businesses open online stores, even during the pandemic here, uh, whether or not they're a brick and mortar, say small business set at a street front location that, you know, has used digital main street or any other, you know, organization to create a website or you know, I know entrepreneurs that have just launched online, you know, as, as a pure play online retailer, at least for now. But, uh, you know, you, is the market growing nearly as fast as the number of retailers that are trying to get a piece of it? I would hypothesize that the market isn't really growing at all. Right. I think people are diverting dollars to the internet, but I don't think we're buying more. I don't have empirical evidence to share with anyone today, but I don't think the average consumer in Canada or anywhere else in the world is spending more money right now. We may have diverted some of that spending to the internet just out of necessity. I can, I can find more and being serviced a little bit better. Um, but, you know, no, I don't think the market is growing to that extent, but the competition is growing exponentially. We're still at a stage of immaturity, there's a little bit of a double-edged store because I do believe that all businesses, whether you're a Fortune 500 or a little mom and pop store, need some kind of online presence. You need to pick your channels and you need to position where your customers are because most of us would have some kind of customer base somewhere on the internet, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok or Pinterest or Google or through an email list. 
there is benefit to having a digital presence, and I think all businesses need it. Um, but it's it's certainly uh, hard to remain exclusive in that. I mean, there there are ten thousand other stores that do what you do on the internet. So standing out from that and being unique and getting a presence and getting a foothold and growing an audience quickly is actually extremely difficult, but we're still at a level of immaturity with it all where it seems like, well, I can quickly spin up on a decent platform like Shopify or Lemon Sand or something and just, you know, money's going to rain out of the sky. And that's simply not the way it works. Um, it's a very, very difficult business to manage and it's a hyper-competitive business to manage. What do you think is going to happen uh, as we continue to see all of these new businesses opening? I mean, they're not all going to survive. No, I would, I would suggest that, that that's not possible, actually. That's not possible. So, if, you know, to, to, I guess, tell another story or, or create another metaphor, um, if I were to walk out onto the street in a, in a physical setting, in a bricks and mortar setting, and look out my door, and if I saw eight shops that were selling coffee and cookies, probably the last thing that I would do would put my signature on a piece of paper leasing a space to sell more coffees and cookies in that location. But on the internet, we don't do competitive analysis. So on the internet, we don't kind of look at maybe what the ecosystem is doing and is providing and, and whether there's more demand than there is supply. We open stores like that all the time because the barrier to entry is so low, right? For a fairly nominal cost and a little bit of technical acumen, most people can open an online store and that's great. I support that. I think that's, that's part of the livelihood of my career is the ability to, for people to get online. Um, I certainly had huge barriers to entry when I started about 10, 12 years ago. Online stores back then, an e-commerce site would cost you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the technical, the level of technical acumen you needed to do it. I mean, the paperwork to set up your payment processor would take two to three months wow. alone. Wow we can set up an online store over the course of a weekend today. So it's that easy at a cost of sometimes tens of dollars a month. So no barrier to entry. That's fantastic. But then there's but a cost of doing business. But then it's a cost of business. yes, yeah. we're creating overpopulation. When you have overpopulation in anything, there's no doubt that there'll have to be some kind of regression at some point. We just can't continue this pace of like, look, let's create millions and millions and millions of online stores. There isn't enough uh, money circulating and enough demand in the market to support all of that activity. So we'll, we'll see a bit of a, a rebound at some point. Yeah. And you had a very successful sports retail business. You were saying that this isn't something that necessarily would fly the same way today as it would have years when you started it. Tell me a little bit about that, because again, this is a changing situation around e-commerce and competition. It certainly is. Yeah. We, we got started in 2009 with a, a brand called liveoutthere.com, myself and, and three other partners. And uh, made a lot of mistakes, you know, right out of the gates. I think we tried to run our business uh, on an Everest expedition out of Nepal for a little while. And that was a horrific mistake. Um, we invested, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in that startup, right? Just to get the platform off the ground. Um, and, but we had the, the, the latitude to make those kind of mistakes back then. There were only a few competing retailers at the time, I think maybe a half a dozen or so brands that were actually selling on the internet in that vertical. Um, and so we could, we had the latitude to make those mistakes. We had the time on our side 
to kind of grow through it and learn and optimize and change and develop our company. And in three-ish years, three and a half years, um, Live Out There became one of Canada's 50 fastest growing businesses. So despite our foibles, the land was there to be grabbed. And I'd like to say, Craig, that it was just due to our proficiency that we were just all so amazingly smart and talented and good looking and got this done because of that. But the reality was our timing was good. That's what it was. You know, our timing was right. The market was there. People wanted the products. They wanted to buy them online and get them shipped to their home. There just weren't enough retailers supplying that at that time. And so our timing was, was excellent. Um, but that's really the case anymore. Would I, would I enter into that vertical with a similar offering today? There's not a chance. There's not a chance. It would never work. It's a margin deficient vertical where only the best will survive that. And going into that lion's den of competition today would be somewhat foolhardy. So. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and we were discussing earlier too, um, we're starting to see well, shopping through through social media platforms. Uh, Pinterest is about to launch uh, shopping pins in Canada, which means you can shop through the site. Uh, Facebook has got this uh, Instagram. You can buy things through there. And I'm not quite sure where TikTok is at, but uh, it seems like social media is uh, becoming another driver of uh, traffic potentially to uh, well, online businesses, be it websites, are actually selling through that platform itself. Yeah, it's a a conversation that I love. I think this is really, really interesting and it really illustrates the evolution or or at least what we visualize as being e-commerce because e-commerce kind of historically has come down to these two things. And first and foremost, it was our own checkout. Mm -hmm. So if you were an e-commerce retailer, an omni-channel brand that was selling online, we saw that as, well, your website, therefore your checkout. And, And certainly... That's a pretty good definition of e-commerce. But then, you know, you have Amazon and Amazon is, of course, e-commerce. And I could be a dropshipper or a retailer that sells my product through Amazon. So now I've got two selling channels. And then we started opening up these things called data feeds, where I could supply my product data feed off to other marketplaces like Best Buy or Walmart. Those become e-commerce channels. Facebook and Instagram became data feed locations where I could syndicate or stream my product data feed and sell directly to a consumer without a click to my website. And I think that is the new evolution of e-commerce. And at some point, I think this differentiation between bricks and clicks will start to diminish a little bit when we realize that, well, e-commerce really just means digital selling channels at the end of the day. And do we need a word called e-commerce? Because fundamentally, we're just trying to connect an audience of people that need a thing or have a point of pain to the products that we sell. And I will give that to them through their channel of choice. So I think great brands today are not just creating awareness through a bunch of channels like social media, but they're also opening up the ability to transact through that channel of choice. And it shortens, you know, let's call it the funnel or the loop, but it shortens the customer journey from discovery to transaction can now happen, you know, with a shoppable Pinterest or shoppable Instagram in seconds. I can learn about something, I can be enamored with it, and I can make a purchase decision there. As opposed to drive a click, come to a website, learn about a brand, maybe have a seven-minute session on a website to potentially buy or not buy. We can just shorten the customer's experience and, and execute on impulse buying a lot better. 
Yeah, and we've seen places like China, um, apps like WeChat, which, which you seem to be able to do almost anything on from hailing a taxi to, uh, you know, ordering groceries, uh, shopping, connecting with friends, obviously chatting. Um, I'm wondering what we'll be seeing here because WeChat hasn't picked up so much uh, in North America, even though I've got it, funny enough. But, um, but uh, you know, the, the future of that as well. And uh, do you have any sort of insight into that? Because this is an area I'm not that much of an expert in. Uh, WeChat is fascinating and could probably take the multitude of several sessions. So I'd encourage anyone who doesn't is not familiar with WeChat to spend a little bit of time. I know there's some, some stuff that was circulating on YouTube a few years ago, which were just fascinating overviews of WeChat and its ubiquity uh, of commerce. You know, buy anything, anytime, communicate in real time, never leave the app mm-hmm. fundamentally. I think the North American ecosystem has evolved a little bit differently. I think that was a very specific case that evolved uh, within China. And I think you have these mega powers now, mega tech companies that control quite a bit of data and will always buy for your eyeballs in North America. So we're probably still at a, a phase where, well, it's going to evolve as a bit of a hybrid. They probably won't share data across platform to platform, but definitely we're being watched, monitored, analyzed. I mean, I think we all know our devices listen to us and probably even pick up sounds and audio triggers and whatnot. So we're being, uh, our consumption behaviors are being influenced and affected. I don't see a a one shop or one size fits all approach the way that WeChat has just because of the way that we're allowed to evolve in China. But there's no doubt that this massive data and behavioral mapping um, that the platforms that we have here are, are starting to stitch together, right? And um, and that does create some really interesting challenges, I, I think, for, you know, if I'm a small retailer just getting going in this thing, how do I even start to wrap my head around that and utilize some of the horsepower that's available? Oh, that is so interesting. And one thing that we've also seen in Asia, which we're just starting to see here now is streaming shopping. I think that's what you call it, where someone who has some influence gets up and, you know, is talking about some products and people get excited and then they shop. I think there was a woman and, you know, using a North American example, I think she was in Tennessee where she was, uh, you know, and just a real person says, I really like these things. Look how this looks on me, this garment, you know, I, I like this and this and this, it's almost like a mini, you know, mini Oprah's favorite things, but she was selling stuff like it was gangbusters <laughs> doing it online and doing it through streaming shopping. It's the evolution of the micro-influencer, which I I, I think because we become jaded on all things, I suppose, we become jaded to traditional advertising, which then becomes jaded about uh, Google search. Then we become jaded about Facebook ads and, you know, things kind of transgress and evolve. And uh, part of the challenge, but I guess part of the wonder of being in a digital setting like this is the rapid pace of evolution. And I'm often asked by, by both clients of, of mine and just people that I'm mentoring or, or providing some advice for is, you know, what should I be doing 12 months from now? Like, like could you propose a strategy for me for 12 months out? And, and historically, operationally, I, I may be able to do that. But a digital marketing strategy and trying to envision what that looks like 12 months from now is actually a very complicated, if not impossible task. Where should I be putting my time? Where should I be putting my money? What does my team look like? Who do I have to hire? What skill sets do I need inside of my company? 
because it evolves so quickly. You know, uh, one thing that we really learned at Live Out There was, um, we said this all the time, it was one of our, our mantra was 90 days is an eternity. And it really was, you know, where we were, like, the look back 90 days previous was like, well, I we're a totally different company than we were 90 days ago. And the way we're spending money and acquiring customers and nurturing the ones that we have, I mean, it's evolving so fast. And that is, um, you know, both exciting and exceptionally challenging from an owner's perspective is how do you keep up with that pace of change when there's a new product, seemingly a new product or a new network or a new type of ad that I need to try and understand, you know, several times a month. I think Google updates their, maybe don't quote me on this, but I believe Google's organic ranking algorithm updates incrementally about 2000 times per year. So you're looking at, you know, six to seven algorithm updates uh, on a daily basis. Most of them extremely minor, right? We hear about the big ones like, like Panda or Penguin, but that's how often something like that is evolving. And so the pace of change is incredible and, um, and very tough to keep up with. Oh, wow. Well, with all of this in mind, how do online retailers, you know, me- measure if they're doing well? <laughs> you know, measure performance, uh, you know, profitability, just just given that it is different than brick and mortar retail in terms of the way things are set up. You know, you're not paying rent, Absolutely. for example. That's a super question. And because what's a good number? What's a bad number? I, I think that's what, you know, where does the rubber meet the road, really? And I, I encourage all business owners to just like take a step back from everything that I just said, Craig, and, and say, like, look, what am I at the at the end of the day? And, and you're a retail company right? If you're selling a product, you're a retail company. Let's not forget that, that the foundational metrics of sell-through rates and net profit margin and and revenue per square foot are all things that you can apply to an e-commerce business and should apply to an e-commerce business. Um, I've owned enough of these and certainly worked with several hundred retailers in this space and have developed a bit of my own operating system around six KPIs that, that I will stand beside as being like, well, there's got to be a way to take a step back from all this and say, okay, great. There's 120,000 numbers inside of a product like Google Analytics. But which are the good ones and what do I need to know? And I think you need three revenue indicators and three profitability indicators, six numbers that can kind of be the bolts of the plumbing of every decision that you make. And for revenue, I like to fall back on, you know, average baskets Traffic and conversion rate, those three numbers, any combination of the three, build your top line revenue number. But revenue is only good if you have some level of profitability. And so on the profitability side, we like to measure net profit margin. What am I making after all costs are considered on a sale versus customer acquisition cost, which is where the internet is tricky because what do you pay to acquire a customer is, is quite a big number often. And the last number you need to consider is customer lifetime value which is a calculation of how much you make off an individual user over a period of time. The period of time fluctuates a little bit based on the vertical of the industry that you're in. If you're selling automotives, that might be 10 years. Most consumer products are a one or two year calculation. Those three numbers combined give you a, a profitability and allow you to determine a marketing investment. What should I spend to acquire leads knowing that you know, in a year or two from now, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, profitable off that risk. So 
Um, there's got to be, that's my methodology. That's my operating system to fall back on. And um, I can run any business through those filters, any business. And it did, those are health indicators for me. So at a glance, you know, give me, give me access to a little bit of that data and you should be able to determine the health of your business pretty quickly. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And do you have any predictions? I know that we're saying this is rapidly changing, but uh, when we might see five years down the road in terms of e-commerce growth in Canada versus physical retail, do you have any sort of a real high level vision? You know, obviously we're speculating at this point in this uncertain world. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely are. <laughs> I, I think regardless of how long we are in a lockdown or, or going through a pandemic, um, I doubt that behavior will return to where it was. So I'm speculating a little bit to around what percentage of overall retail is going through the internet channel right now. I know coming out of 2019, we were sitting around eight and a half or 9%. Um, a lot of speculation as to where it's at right now. I think the numbers have been too dramatic and too sharp of an increase to, to fully pin that down. I've heard anywhere from 12 to 16 or 17 or maybe even 18%. So the penetration um, still suggests to me that there's a long way to go. There's a lot of growth left in this. I think entire verticals, as we've seen in books and music uh, over the past couple of decades, have been completely commoditized through digital sales. We buy, you know, 90-some percent in those verticals or through the internet now. We'll continue to see that happening. So I think we can expect on the other side of the pandemic that it's not going to flatline and it's certainly not going to regress, right? If we're selling $200 billion worth of product in Canada on the internet right now, do I expect that, you know, um, after the vaccine or after some kind of solution is presented to us here, will this go back downhill? I, I highly doubt it. I think behavior has now been set. We've had, um, you know, coming up on 12 months of it. And I think the way that people are shopping and the trust that we have built in, in trusting retailers or pulling out our credit card and maybe people that had never even shopped online or maybe people that, you know, had 2% of their household uh, purchases were going through the internet 12 or 24 months ago are now pretty set in a different way of behavior. And the commoditization of certain industries like grocery is just beginning to happen. Right. We're still at such an early stage with that. Where's probably single digit is going through the Internet right now. So there's huge, huge, huge industries that still can be serviced better through the Internet. And so I think we'll continue to see double digit growth out the other side of things, Craig. I think over the next 10 years, expect us to return to that kind of 15 points growth year over year which should drive some positive change, at least from a retail perspective. Once you reach that level of, um, of importance, the challenges with cost should start to solve themselves, primarily shipping. That's the, the biggest thing that would be on everyone's mind, I'm sure, is like, well, the cost of shipping in Canada is just going to drive you out of business. Well, you know, but, but the demand for more goods and services, reaching all of our remote communities is is going to start to take care of that because clearly competition will drive you know, more service providers and better performance and better infrastructure and kind of that backbone of, 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 of Canada's um, logistics ecosystem will have to be rewired to support consumer demand because if we don't do it, somebody else will. So this will get solved. Cost inevitably will have to come down to, to take care of this demand. So that, that is probably the shining light for, 
for most retailers is stick with this thing for a little while. It will get cheaper. Excellent. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to discuss? This has been excellent. Uh, there's a lot of fun topics within this, Craig. I mean, um, you know, really tell your story. If I was to, to drive home one piece of, of, of advice is you really need to be different online. Whether you've been at this for a little while and you're hitting a bit of a ceiling or you're looking at an internet business as maybe being a venture that you want to get involved in, you cannot do the same thing online that everybody else does. If your storytelling isn't unique, if your content isn't unique, if your ownership, your product isn't unique, if you don't have something dramatic with your with your margin or if you can't protect yourself against competition, you probably don't have a great business idea. So just be super aware of those things when you're, when you're entering into this, into this shopping mall. And yeah, and we discussed even earlier, there was JJ's fashions and trail BC, which uh, is they've got 1.4 million followers on TikTok. Um, they've got this, this fun thing. It's called the hot boss where, you know, these young women are swooning over this guy. That's the, their boss in this, uh, you know, fashion store in town, 1.4 million followers there, you know, they're <laughs> building sales. Uh, this would probably be an example of, you know, doing something different online. Amazing. Like so proud of them. So proud. That doesn't have to cost a lot of money. That's just creative. That's just fun. That's personality. That's great storytelling. At the end of the day, you know, people on the other side of the keyboard are still just human beings. We like to look at the data associated with them. My goodness. They're still human beings making emotional decisions about what they would like to purchase. And when you can connect with people with something that's fun and irreverent like that, I mean, that's what, what better way to go. That, that wasn't a, a half million dollar ad buy. So kudos to them for, for getting creative and working with what they had to work with. I think it's, it's a brilliant execution by a small business. Yeah. And possibly seeing more value than the half million dollar uh, media buy. <laughs> I, I would guarantee it actually. I would guarantee it. <laughs> oh, maybe we see a lot more of those stories. I think that would be, that would be a, a win for Canadian business. If we see that kind of creativity. Oh my goodness. Well, we're going to have to have you on again. We're going to have you in some editorial because uh, you're an expert in the industry and uh, I'm definitely not. So very much appreciate the knowledge and wisdom that you have through your experience over the years with various businesses, including now with e-commerce Canada. So wanted to say thank you so much, David Nagy. You're the founder of e-commerce Canada, uh, as well as an entrepreneur uh, with other businesses online and an expert. And I just want to say thank you so much again, because I'm always learning so much from you. And, uh, you know, as, as I look and try to understand what's uh, coming down the pipeline in the future here, the world is changing very, very quickly here in Canada and uh, around the world. Sure is. And thank you, Craig. Thank you for your time and all the great work that you do at Retail Insider. I always appreciate our interactions and have a, have a great time spending time and, and learning from you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Take care. And that concludes our special edition podcast interview. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. Thank you everyone for listening and until next time.